Welcome to episode 71 of Tactical Crouch. People say, John, you know, you'd be a lot better analyst if you spent half the time making stupid in Final Cut and just like watch some Overwatch VODs. And then I was like, yeah, you're right. And then I made that. So (laughs) (laughs) that was amazing. Anyways, (laughs) hi guys. I, I couldn't hold it yesterday when he showed me it was just <laughs> <laughs> the little Mona Lisa thing is just, yeah. it's just breaking me. There's a lot of nuance that you got you gotta you gotta watch it through a couple of times to catch it all. Yeah. It's well worth it. If you're watching the audio, go back and watch the you know the first little bit of the video. It's worth it, I think. Yeah, definitely. But, um, hey, Kick Tripod hey here. Yiska, Volmel, of course, good to see you guys, but back on the show, the uh, Panda Pro assistant coach slash analyst for the Toronto Defiant, none other than the peg-legged Baroy coming on in. He's got his Panda, is that just like a neck pillow? Yes, that's a neck pillow. It's not a toilet seat warmer? <laughs> I wouldn't sit on a panda. Just Fair imagine enough. sitting on the toilet seat. What would be on his eyes? If that, you know? Yeah. I'm not saying it's the most well thought out I'm not saying it's the most well thought out product. <laughs> I just wouldn't put it past some people to try to make it anyway. You know? Yep. It's just a thing. Anyways. Hey, chat. Good to see you guys. Uh, we've got a packed show. We're going to get right into it. Chat with Baroy. You're in crutch time now, Baroy. You've got what? Yeah. How many weeks? Two weeks now before you guys probably travel? A little more? Uh, yes, two weeks. I hope. I hope I get my fucking cast off before then. If not, I have to have. I have to like hire someone so they can like paint a panda on my cast. Uh, that's like mandatory. It would be mandatory, right? Is it is it a like what color is the cast? White. It's white. Oh, so, so it's already it's halfway there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Easy at that point. This uh this onesie here has some really weird panda eyes on the I have the very same one. Yeah, it was really cheap on Amazon. I don't know what I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Nice. So nice. do you do you want to have a moment for your shared like early midlife crisis or like, what's going on here is he just on amazon one night hating life hey, panda don't, costumes? don't hate on his footy pajamas I, okay if he likes panda footy pajamas you know don't don't kink shame him i think anyone who doesn't have them has like a midlife crisis <laughs> it's actually one of katie's kinks actually no well then there you go she no really shame likes, here she we, really well, likes the panda we, we only judge overwatch play we don't judge what's you your know, excuse you bro <laughs> Oh man, it's his kink. That's fine for himself. That's all right. That's exactly. Great. That's fine. 
Every, above the bed and everything. Yeah. Love those pandas, she says in, in chat. So like, like one day, uh, I'm, I'm living with Lilbo, right? Uh, mm-hmm. One day when, I don't know what it was, we had like some time because uh, scrims were starting late and she was at the practice facility. So I had all my panda posters and I hung them up all over the apartment. So everything has like panda posters now. And he came home and he was like, nice. Because this guy is actually the biggest panda lover, like after me. Oh, really? Yeah. So this is like the panda apartment. (laughs) That's great. That's what you call an ideal living situation. He actually, like his, uh, he gave me, when we were flying to Toronto, he gave me, from from his girlfriend uh he got like for me like a panda what do you call it that you put on your eyes so you like can a sleep mask. a sleep mask yeah. or a face yeah, mask. mask yeah yeah it's insane i love it all right no more pandas for right now we gotta <laughs> we gotta pace the pandas you know you gotta pace it yes. we've pace got a few out. things really quick before we get started uh thanks everyone for being here um we set up something new over the week. If you go to bit.ly slash TCP shop, got a nice little store there. Some people asked, like, hey, could you put together some designs? I'd love to support the show. And this way, we've got a nice Yiscat. Uh, you can get shirts, my, mouse pads, uh, coffee mugs, all that kind of good stuff. We've also got a nice minimalist tripod Yiska and Volumel shirt. And then, of course, a TCP logo. So... We're not going to spend too much time on that. Want to let you know it's there. Great way to support the show as well. I will get a Yiscat product because it's insanely nice. The <laughs> yeah, the Yiscat stuff turned out really great. So, uh, yeah, um, cool. That's it. <laughs> Yisk. I don't think Yiska was ready for it when I showed him the no. first time. But I no, have my I have my Yiscat. Uh, there's a, like something called a workout tee. So I got a Yiscat workout team <clears throat> coming. Should should arrive, I think, on Wednesday. So Oh my god. <laughs> I'm starting workout next week, do you think? When mine arrives, I just should just walk into a gym with my face with cat <laughs> right there. Yes, I think you should. I definitely think you should. All right. Back to business. And that business is what Yiska has to say. I don't know. You look like you're about to say something. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I just wanted to warn Baroy that he was about to get grilled, of course. Panda steaks. Yeah, we've got Baroy <laughs> here. Uh, Baroy has been on before. He came on during the middle of last season, chatted with us a little bit about the Toronto Defiant. I think it was right after stage one. And uh, brought him back. You're a little over two weeks away until the start of the season. And uh, getting ready to travel. How many, how many oh, miles wait, is it? Uh, we have. I, I looked at Jiska's article, uh, like the spreadsheet earlier, and we have like, what is it, ninety thousand? No, what was it? Over ninety thousand kilometers. Yeah, over yeah, ninety. 000, 000, I think it was about a hundred, or something, a hundred thousand yeah, yeah, yeah. kilometers. So it's like yeah, we talked about that. You will likely travel hundred thousand kilometers. So. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So it yeah. was ninety. Yeah, exactly. It was ninety-one thousand kilometers, which is like. Two and some uh, extra 
around the equator. So if you if you went like around the equator twice, then you would be at like eighty thousand kilometers. Mm. And we've got ninety. That's insane. That's <laughs> insane. Is that is that on the higher end? That's right. That's that's yeah. yeah apparently. Yeah. On the yeah. That's yeah, right. Yeah, okay. So. Uh, that's all about to happen. We're going into 2020 season three, but before we talk about that, I actually want to rewind a little bit and talk about your 2019 season because you said some strong words on the last show about how you expected <laughs> the defiant to finish and, uh, all in all, you ended up finishing at uh, 17th tied with the Washington justice with a record of eight and 20. I don't want to say what do you think went wrong with season with that first season for the Defiant, but I do want to know a little bit more about why do you think that the team ended up landing at 17th place? We're not holding any punches here. Sure. Uh, yeah, actually, I think it was, now that I look back at it, uh, there was there were good reasons for me being very convinced <laughs> because I think when I went on this show, we were like the fourth best team in the world at the time or something. Uh, which is insane to think about that we like finished 17th right mm-hmm. um, but I, I think the I think the biggest problem last season was probably the atmosphere it's weird to say but like the team atmosphere was probably the biggest problem uh, it led to us um, losing Stella after stage one and then we tried to try to better the atmosphere by letting Envy be traded to Shanghai. Um, but at that time, at that time, then we all also tried to go hybrid with like Westerns and Koreans, uh, which didn't turn out to be a good choice at the time because the team wasn't built for it at the very start of the season. If it was, then we might have had better results. But so... So just the team atmosphere being not the greatest from the start uh, to then us leading uh, to to us making bad decisions during the mid-season is probably why we ended so low, considering that we, in my opinion, still were the fourth best team uh, in stage one. So, I mean, are you... Like, what does that do for you now going into the, the second season? So you, you kind of had, because you're right, you guys, was it five and two in stage one or fourth? I think it was yep. five and two, right? Five and two, yeah. Yeah, and the kind of, it was you and the uh, Atlanta Rain, I think, were Atlanta, both. yeah, we were tight. And um, from just, I, I'm saying we were fourth place because from the, from the scrum results, I think it was NYXL, Vancouver, and San Francisco that were better than us. But we were consistently beating everyone else. And in playoffs, we had the bad luck to get San Francisco in quarterfinals for the stage playoffs. Um, so we, we ended up, uh, we ended up um, losing in the quarterfinals in the playoffs. But uh, just from scrims and from the regular season, I think we were the fourth best team. So it's unfortunate. So, like, overall, do you think, like, looking at that placement, like, do you, like, how do you leave that, like, yeah, we we did the best we could with what we have, or do you, do you think you'd go back and change anything? Oh, there is a lot to change, yeah. So, I I think, I think from the very start of the season, uh, the team wasn't built for, 
atmosphere. The team wasn't built for like high morale or high, um, yeah, high long-term sustainability. I'd like to say uh, it was built to perform well, and it did. But unfortunately, it all exploded sooner than uh, expected, so to say. Um, and then, like, we had to make changes all of a sudden. Uh, and those sudden changes were, were where we probably made bad decisions throughout the season. And that's why it all, like, became like a death spiral. So I think the natural follow-up from that is like, what have you guys done this season to kind of compensate for the the, the mistakes or the the, the improper uh, setup throughout the season? So what 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 about twenty twenty has changed? A lot has changed. So like the biggest thing is that this team was built specifically in mind with uh, high team morale and. Uh, great atmosphere like everyone on the team was chosen mm -hmm. um for their personality and how the personalities would interact with, with each other mm. uh skill was obviously a part of it like in-game skill um because otherwise we would have not had obviously players right but um i think the biggest point in establishing the worst of the season was building it for high team morale and uh for now it's been working insanely well like our our atmosphere in the team has been insanely good like everyone is willing to learn willing to improve like there's no scrolls or anything no one's fighting everyone's like uh maybe they are not like best friends and super good buddies but everyone's like working well with each other you know mm. um i don't like saying that that we are family because it's i, I feel like that's disingenuous to say for a lot of teams uh, but just the, the work atmosphere has been insanely good there's like yeah there's people who are pushing for the competitiveness that's why everyone's keeping on track and even at the start when we were in korea and we were not doing well because we're a new team like uh, us losing scrims against korean contenders teams didn't do much to our to our morale and uh, the overall atmosphere in the team interesting interesting so, so yeah this is this season uh, has been the roster building has been done with exactly team well and atmosphere gotcha. and personality whereas last season it wasn't necessarily something high on your list it was more of yeah last dumb. season it was more so um i personally didn't know much didn't know how big of an effect it is at the, uh, mm. at the start of last season anyway because i was new to coaching sure um but last season was mainly done with in-game skill in mind and how in-game uh in-game character like in-game personality yeah. uh affects each other like this guy is very aggressive so we need like a very passive uh, main tank or something like that um this year it's more out of game personality that has been deciding factors also keeping in mind the in-game components of it but out of game uh, factors have been, I think, the bigger focus this season. Hmm. Interesting. Is that is that mostly magnified based on what you learned last year, or also the fact that you're going to be traveling and living in a lot different arrangements than mm -hmm. uh, you had from this last season? Both. 
I want to say both because I personally I personally learned a lot last season. The biggest factor I learned, and I said that with uh, Joe in an interview that we did, uh, which was really interesting. It's an esports heaven. <laughs> um, and I said that the main thing I learned last season that is that coaching is all about psychology. Like the biggest thing, the biggest work you will do as a coach is about it's like psychological work um you will have to motivate your players uh you have to keep motivation up you have to keep the atmosphere up like there are very small things that you have to do all the time to keep everything working and i think the whole company learned that this is a main factor uh and that combined with the new environment of us traveling every week has been a deciding factor for the roster being built in the, in the way it was built. Interesting. By the way, Baroy, just so like English is super papega in that regard, the P in psychology is silent. It's it's a, an abomination because in German we say psychologie, but you yeah. don't pronounce the P is silent, right? In psychology. Okay. Psychology. Yeah. Did you just psychology. did you just take time to tell Baroy how to say psychology <laughs> yeah. on the show? Yeah. I mean we're I, I we're, we're working our way to uh, our word of the German word of the day anyway, so might as well. Mm, that's true. Yeah. That's true. There is one for the show. So. If any other coaches want to come on to the show, Yisko will tell you how to say words. <laughs> just helping my German Bavarian here. Give me I'm another German. I'm just, kid, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just, is there, oh is there actually God. a second German in the league right now? Except, yeah, yes, there is, German. but don't say anything. Well, except for the one that I know. Hmm. Wait. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so confused yeah, yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah we, we, we talked about it. No, no, no. Hey, oh, you, you're juice? thinking of the right person. Is this juice? So what you're saying is there's there's Baroy some... just doesn't know anything what's going on in the overview. No, that, 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 that's like, a that's a staple of Baroy. Like he he'll just pop this, in and just be just, like, wait, it, that happened? Whoa, like where was I? <laughs> so there's they, they, a German player coming to Overwatch League? I mean there was already last season, right? With Kodak. Yeah, the thing is last season there was uh there was Kodak and there was Pro I, I mean in terms of coaches? Or, yeah, anyway. I mean, there was prom, uh, Promise. This guy. Uh, um, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. This yeah. guy. So there were at least two other Germans. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> what is this show? I can't. <laughs> hey, sometimes, sometimes Dude, I have to update my knowledge. Like, <laughs> why am I working harder for, to, to keep Roy's job than he is? <laughs> 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 okay. Oh. I, I just wanted to know because sometimes I don't know what. No, you don't what know what's known. happening. <laughs> you're, you're yeah, like sometimes people leads. tell. Sometimes people tell me Mecco is uh, is in a different team, and I'm like, wait, it's not on, it's not on NYXL anymore. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Dream keeps telling him he's like, no, we have. He, he's on Houston now, bro. He's like, no, I'm pretty sure he's still on NYXL dog. Like, <laughs> haven't you seen them? Like, yeah, yeah. They were in scrims. I swear, I saw. Yeah, exactly. That's when oh, I was man. surprised when he was suddenly put in. I'm like, oh. I was surprised too. I thought it was mm. one of the. I'm like, I must be confusing one of the other eleven tanks with that start with M from Korea. 
and just can't. It's like, no, it was Mecco. Mm. It was Isn't in- Miro coming back or something? Wasn't there something about Miro? Now that we talk about this, yeah, no, um, he uh, he's a free agent. He said he's he's breaking out of retirement and and is uh, looking for a team. So yeah, he's he's uh, oh. I, I guess he's on the market. I we haven't heard much from him since uh, his announcement on stream. But yeah, he's he's seemingly back. <laughs> I like Fairly it when our when our guests come on the show and ask us questions. <laughs> nice change of pace. I'll take. It. I'll take. Yeah, I'll take. I mean, I'll listen to Joe talk about that all day long. <laughs> I really will. But uh, Baroy's personality is just like guy frozen in a Cairo. Uh, what's a Cairo freeze chamber for ten years? Comes out, doesn't know what anything is, including technology and any. Seriously, <laughs> so so like I went to I went to Germany for Christmas, right? And they were telling me all about like what happened in the world. I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> because I don't follow news or anything. I'm living in my small like bubble where I go to work every day, and that's it. And then they tell me like uh, something about Donald Trump and uh, whatever happened to like in Africa and there's like tons of fires in the Amazon and shit. I'm like, whoa, I didn't, I didn't hear of that. Yeah, as long as no pandas are hurt. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's the only thing that matters. <laughs> that news doesn't permeate the Baroi bubble. So to, to, to kind of underail us for a moment, um, sure. you, you talked about building the roster and one thing that, that kind of has crept up um, and has been a roller coaster for me on weighing some of these rosters is roster depth. You guys in general don't have a, you, I think you're running a little bit leaner than, than most. Um, is there plans for more additions? How are you guys, you know, I think the one big area that people are kind of criticizing you on is, is especially main tank you know you're, you signed beast i think we'll get into him um as a specific topic a little bit later in the show but you know is there is there room for you guys bulking up you know uh, especially at a point in the season where you guys don't have a ton of travel you're going to stay in north america is there is there room for that so i said that the whole idea of this team is atmosphere and um a part of it is having a small core of players that we are that we are willing to play with, um, and right now we have a core that we are really we have players that we are really happy with. Um, they are working really well with each other. Bringing in an additional element would potentially disturb that. True. Um, it's like putting a third ho- or a fourth host on your show. Uh, who knows what's going to happen, right? Like put put ZP on your show and like. Who knows? Who knows? Right? We start talking about Balotaja. Who knows? Yes. Know. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, so we in this in the same uh, in a similar mindset, we have like this core of players, and we are really happy with them. Mm. Uh, and we will we will try to run with them. I mean, if there's like something going seriously wrong or something, uh, someone going like seriously ill in the main tank or flex tank position where we don't have any um, where we don't have any subs right now then it's possible that we will sign someone uh, if someone is like getting ill because they went go to China or something it's possible with all the travel uh, but it's not in our current plans no actually not okay but like contingency so, wise, you're you're at least thinking about like okay, if yeah. this happens, we we do X Y Z stuff like that. There, like there's plan, there's plans in place uh, in case of emergencies. 
uh, for sure. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been a part of the roster building that we want to have uh, a core of players that can work with each other where there is some level of competitiveness, sure. uh, but it's not like that high amount of pressure pressure every day that on the match day they would feel like totally burned out already because they have to perform every day to show up and to, to show that they are first place. For example, there's a bunch of teams that do like the A was and B was the thing again. Mm-hmm. They have two six-mans and two, whichever six-man is better will play at any given match day. And that's something that we don't like to do just because um, mainly it means that every single day is like a high pressure environment and we feel like we don't want that because we want the high pressure points to be on the match day. Mm-hmm. So we want like a fairly equal scrim day and then we want high pressure here for our match day where they can perform the best. And then we go back to like relaxing and then building up our pressure again. Um, and if you have like, if you have 12 men roster, then it's like high pressure, high pressure, high pressure, mm-hmm. high pressure, high pressure. And then it's like on the match day here, at the end, you're like, uh, I can't play anymore. Like, I've, like I've, been, I've been playing like four or six hours a day for like the past five weeks. What am I going to do? So you kind of hint at hint at it there. Mm-hmm. Like, is this emulated? Is this kind of uh, team atmosphere? Not first, but like it, you, you, you know, define is weighing team atmosphere very high. Is that kind of uh, reflected in your practice time? Are you guys practicing a little bit less than you know you you did last season? Is that something that um, is is being affected? Is is are you lowering the numbers there? Uh, it's similar to last season, but I think mm-hmm. it's lower than uh, what some teams do. I know a lot of teams do three blocks every day. Okay. Uh, we do. We do. Normally, we do two blocks a day, and every team does like Monday to Saturday, so six days a week. Um, mm. And we do three blocks of scrims occasionally, but not every day. So uh, while it's similar to last season, I think it's lower than the highest, like the highest scrim hours that Overwatch League has, okay. because there's definitely sometimes it's uh, scrim for like six hours a day. Uh, which is a lot. Mm. It's just it's just burning out your players and your coaches. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, makes sense. No, there there are definitely teams that have either are regularly running six blocks, uh, sorry, three blocks, and or um, alternate depending on the day. Um, mm. Or some are just trying it out if it if it is uh, useful, because certainly the last block is. <laughs> Depending like on how fresh you feel and what your schedule yes. is, is pro- probably not going to be super uh, like effective. But um, it, I guess it depends on the player type. And I, I've long thought that <clears throat> there are different players in the way they approach practice. There are people that can just sit down and like think to themselves about certain angles they want to take and when they want to take them or whatever. But they're definitely people that just like grind for 12 hours and their skill Mm. depends on them insanely grinding. And I think those people will likely suffer uh, from the way they got where they are. And the people that can be more independent of 
heavy, heavy mechanical uh, practice as well as um, just like being away from a PC. I think they will uh, receive an inherent boost to their performance. Of course, depending also on the team, because as we know, uh, travel is not created equal. Mm. Definitely. Um, Broid, to, uh, to Jessica's point there, did you, are, is there a, a difference in how you guys are coaching or setting up practice from a fully Korean team to a Korean mixed team to now like a mostly Western, you know, mixed roster? Is, are you noticing a difference? Is there a, uh, a difference in how you guys are coaching the squad? Uh, there's definitely a difference between mixed roster, like complete hybrid roster, and just one language, because um, mixed roster, you have to take a, put a lot of emphasis on making sure that everyone understands each other. Sure. Um, if, if their English isn't the best, or their Korean isn't the best, depending on which mm. language you choose in the mixed roster, but... Um, I think other than that, it mainly depends on the coaching philosophy and that is basically mainly set up by the head coach. And since our head coach changed, it's different for mm. sure. Um, but I think from, from a general perspective between Korean and English coaching, if there wasn't like a head coach factor, I think it is probably fairly similar. Interesting. So let's talk about Fefe for a second. So your your new head coach is Fefe, comes from the Paris Eternal last year. I mean, what's so what's what's it like working with him as your head coach? Is he does he uh, drive the team any differently than uh, the 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 staff in in 2019? Or you know, what can you tell yes. us about him? Yeah, how <laughs> so? Tell, tell us so. about it because Fefe is kind of a. He's almost kind of like an urban legend, I think, at, at some levels. Um, he, when when he was first announced to be head coach of the Paris Eternal, it was a huge pro in that column. Obviously, the, I don't think the Paris Eternal did as well as uh, most had expected or hoped. But he was one of those uh, figures that was in, in the plus column, and people were very, very passionate, especially players and people who actually worked with him. They were very high on Fefe. They were um, had had a lot of respect for him and his, his coaching. Is that a lie? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but <laughs> is uh, you know like what's it been like bringing uh, Fefe in here? So the thing is, I, I said it earlier. Uh, the biggest factor about coaching, in my opinion, is psychology, and Fefe is like. Uh, really good at motivating people. He 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 really knows how to get to people in a way. He really knows when to speak up and when not to. He knows how to set up practice so we get to like a we get uh, to the match day in a way that our performance is at the peak um, and not like. It's not a regular day for us, so he, he, he sets up practice. It's like super abstract to talk about it, I know, but uh, the way the way he does it is like he he brings our he makes it so that our performance is supposed to peak on match day. 
And um, he's just really good at motivating people and bringing people together the way he coaches. He might not be like the biggest brain, but that's not your head coach. That's your strategic coach or your analyst, right, uh, in the team. So he's not maybe not the biggest brain in the in the team, but he knows he knows his stuff. And most importantly, he knows how to create a good environment, a good uh, practice environment and he knows how to keep the atmosphere high even if like motivation is dropping slightly then it's like his turn his time to like bring it up again and he does it really well um so i don't know a lot of people don't know that maybe but i didn't know it before but fifi has been coaching in uh, basketball for a long time and he's been playing basketball on the national level uh for a long time and he he has a master's degree in like uh something sports psychology or coaching or something uh so he has actually a lot of experience when it comes to when it comes to like team environments and coaching environments um so compared to last season it's been <laughs> it's been a hell of a difference <laughs> i can i can say that like the first day we had in, in the korea boot camp he defined the structure like perfectly like what well, i don't know if it's perfectly but he defined the structure and we we stuck to it which is something that i think we didn't necessarily do last season where it was a bit more flexible but this time we have like a very set structure in terms of coaching and where the players are and where the where the team is and what the gm is doing and everything like that this is something that's completely out of the game but the structure there is set and in the same way we set like in-game structure of communication and everything up so we have a highly structured environment which is um i think very advantageous uh something that you really want to have because once you have structure uh and once people start sticking to it um it's something you don't have to worry about anymore and if you don't have that um in terms of coaching and stuff then players might think like uh what is this guy doing is this guy even improving uh, do they criticize our our flex tank because he did a mistake last last scrim or something and uh, all those all those questions that are like in the back of your head as a player maybe or even as a coach um that are completely taken care of by the way how we structure things uh and that's something that is completely thanks to fefe really cool yeah i mean every yeah, i will tell you the same thing right like structure like for instance when a when i like i do tutoring and when like a kid comes to me and he already has like his his notebook is already like kind of ripped and it's like bent and there's a lot of crossing out to done and then they don't write down their homework and they don't know what the what the name is for the thing that they're doing it's like all confusion you gotta unclutter that first like structure first and then you can buffer the knowledge without that structure it just has nothing to stick to it's just like all a blob of knowledge that's like just like forced into you, but you cannot really put it into the required like boxes. And yes, um, I think that's that's a I think Fefe comes from a professional sports background, right? So yeah. 
of course, incorporating that kind of stuff is highly important. Yeah, I, I know it's really abstract to talk about that, but it's something that's so incredibly important. It's something that I, I noticed was lacking last season, and I think uh, uh, the structure itself is something that people might figure out how to improve. But he combines like uh, being good at structuring things with being that uh, highly motivating coach that grabs you when you need to be grabbed, like something that I can say for this team is that uh, you start scrims when we are supposed to start scrims mm. because you schedule scrims for like, let's say one to 3 PM and we are there at 1 PM. Everyone's in the lobby and we are waiting for the other team to get, uh, get their asses on the PCs. Uh, so like normally it's like last season, it wasn't that way. Last season, we weren't maybe on time all the time, but it's like those little details, you know. Uh, mm. We we are there when we are supposed to be there, uh, and it's not something we have to discipline anyone about. Like, there, there has never really been, like, any disciplining. We have, like, rules in, in place, and if someone doesn't stick to a rule, then there's maybe, like, a small punishment, uh, but it doesn't, it doesn't even come to that. Mm. <laughs> That's the yeah. thing. Uh, uh, it's yeah, like most of the time when we have scrims, we are there and we are waiting for the other team to get ready. There was one time when we played Houston in scrims, it was funny because at some point I think it was Walkers who, uh, at the end of the scrim, he said something in all chat and he was like, he was like, this scrim has been pog, and he was like, we start on time, there's no breaks, uh, we have like a five-minute break, and it is a five-minute break, <laughs> not a fucking 15-minute break, and then we have seven seven maps to play. It's like insane. So uh, that's something that not a lot of teams have, uh, mm -hmm. I think, yeah. from, from what I see, at least. There's the opposite yeah. of my raid team, too. Yeah, yeah so, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so with that structure in mind, and looking back at the 2019 Defiant, and you, you talk about how that that squad, like at the start, was you know in your mind top four. Do you think that the 2020 roster with the team structure, with the players that you have right now, could reach those peaks or at least somewhere near it? Uh, so something like reaching a top four performance is really hard in Overwatch, and I think mm -hmm. we were lucky that we were. We, we were able to do it in stage one last season. Uh, I expected us to perform well because I was part of the roster building and uh, I was highly convinced of a lot of those players, but I didn't necessarily take in mind all the psychological and personality sure. uh, effects. That's why it failed. And that's why it will always fail So some, uh, to do something like that. Mm. Uh, having a team that is at the top is incredibly hard. And I think... While we have a lot of potential, um, there, there is maybe a chance to get to that point, uh, mm. especially looking at our schedule. But it's not something where I would say, yeah, we are definitely top four. Sure, of course. Um, you learned your so, lesson, I get it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, let's, let's yeah. be honest, your, your schedule in season one, stage, uh, sorry, season two, stage one helped. Yes. a bunch in being for sure but I, I i think we were actually we were actually a top four team mm -hmm. <laughs> like i don't think it's a yeah, yeah, as you said based on screen results and everything but, yeah. yeah yeah uh but whatever um 
I think it's it's possible because looking at our schedule now, we have like uh, most of the harder teams at the second half of the of the of the year. Mm -hmm. um, so, and there's always this effect of the spiral. Either it's a spiral upwards or it's a spiral downwards. Mm. Uh, and so it, it's possible with those players that we can reach like a really high high, uh, but it's not a given. Sure. For sure. Makes sense. Mm. Let's, let's talk a bit about this roster. And uh, we're just going to go down. I'm going to switch over here so, so that chat can see it. Big changes have been made, but there's one thing that I noticed right away, and that is you're going to sell a lot of jerseys this year, which is going to be great. A lot of fan favorite names there. Awesome. I think that's a great choice, but I'm a little skeptical, Baroy, and I want to hear your take on this a little bit. And I want to start with, I think, probably the, the position under the most scrutiny with you guys, right? Scrutiny right now with you guys is... Uh, your main tank role in Beast, formerly Beast Halo, from uh, Fusion University. There's, uh, I mean, I would say, and, and you've kind of hinted at it, but to, to ask it directly, the goal of this roster is to just have a Western roster, correct? Like, that was a, that was a thing? Sure, yes. Yes. Sure. So, uh, the, the main tank role for uh, Western players isn't, a huge pool anyways, but regardless beast here comes in and it's really difficult to, uh, to properly, uh, you know what? Let's just, just tell me why beast, why, why <laughs> one main tank, a 19 year old from contenders, no backups, nobody else there to, sure. to fill that role. Tell me. So, so um, there's there's a lot of upsides actually with Beast. Uh, this kid has an insanely has like an insane competitive drive. Um, first of all, like he is, it, <laughs> it's it's something that you won't really see because it's not in game related. But if he's in the practice room, he makes everyone practice harder like he he's the one setting up like fun lobbies so they play 1v1s and stuff and uh he's like he's like bantering with them and he's like hey Kuri, if i i fucking beat you and anna again and shit uh so he's he's like really good at or he has like a really good competitive drive he wants to improve like sometimes i remember in the career boot camp there was like one thing where i had like a one-on-one -on -one session with him where we talked about like uh ultimates or something and then we never really had to talk about it again because he just he just takes this and he learns uh he takes any kind of feedback and he learns you, do, you have to mm -hmm. tell him something and he learns. It's like this kid, he, he really wants to learn. This guy is like uh, so driven. I think it is, it is really helpful, not just on a personal basis, but for the whole team. And actually something that we have done, we've been putting like more and more, uh, uh, we've been putting more and more emphasis on this wall. Like he's been, he's been having to do more and more stuff in the game. Like uh, we, we have, we have had him 
talk more about ultimates and how to plan things and we've been giving him more responsibilities actually because we are really satisfied with uh how he performs and how he how he learns so actually from my perspective beast has been a really great pick interesting uh it might it might seem weird from the outside because again there's no backups and stuff but yeah like we've been giving him the responsibilities and he's been responding really great really well uh there's not much to complain about him at all you, you tell him what he's been doing wrong and he's like yeah and that's it like <laughs> and he takes it and then he he gets better at it. it's hmm. it's really nice to see yeah that's 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 kind of uh reassuring to hear because that's again like a big question mark for this team in general is you know we haven't seen him play in in a good year or so because of you know what was going on with with fusion university and you know he wasn't starting and chongsik um who yiska absolutely adores was starting um so so there is there is definitely questions there and it's it's reassuring and definitely um uh, appreciated the, the glowing yeah it's, like it's, again uh, Good. When, when the roster was built, like we, we looked at all those players, right? Uh, everyone was looked at, and people were chosen for reasons. Uh, and one of the reasons was like that this person, Beast, mm. is like really competitive, and it boosts like it boosts like everyone's morale and everyone's competitiveness again in in the practice facility, like they sometimes they just have like doomfist one v ones and it doesn't seem like a big thing but it's something that didn't happen last season for example like they, they wouldn't they wouldn't perform uh, they wouldn't play like one v ones in the team and the team and maybe it's just four of the players or something and then one of them wins and it's like yeah i'm the best <laughs> uh what's he gonna do right right uh it, it's just those tiny things that add on to what i said earlier uh about it being more about psychology about psychology than about uh, anything else really in sports so you're not worried about the depth at all at main tank either he can service all those main tank positions well enough you think i think he uh he can yeah we are we are not concerned at all right now we don't we obviously don't know how he will be performing on a stage we we don't necessarily i mean it's a question mark with every rookie player uh will he go completely mad under pressure right when we put him on the stage in front of like thousands of people will he really completely like start sweating and stuff but we don't know that yeah you can't measure Uh, but from from what we see from how he how he is as a person it seems like that will make him perform even better actually hmm. and somebody kind of is mentioning this in chat that i kind of want to you know pick up and, and have you explain um even if you did sign a you know a substitute main tank and and he did get you know this this hypothetical sub got a little bit more playtime. you don't think that beast would be a player from from everything that you're saying you don't think beast would be a player who kind of shuts down by not getting play time like he's he's willing to fight for that starting spot and if anything that might motivate yes. him even more you, you, that's the type of player we're talking about yes definitely okay. uh like i think he's like your traditional he's like he's like the traditional sports player that you read interviews of uh, where he's mm-hmm. like uh because there's there's always those interviews with like quarterbacks and something and they're like yeah i train like 50 hours a day and shit uh and uh, i have all my 
teammates performance. He's like he's like this kind of guy. He's extremely competitive. He just wants to win. He wants to be the best, and he wants to improve. It's, it's interesting. Yeah, I like. There's almost I, nothing bad to say about. I like what I'm hearing. I'm like what I'm hearing. Granted, this is very biased, but I I I'm liking it. I like it. Yeah, I mean, in in the end, it depends or it matters what what happens on the server, of course. And I will also say, to a degree, as as I talked about earlier, like it, it's going to be a lottery for a lot of players, even established like elite tier talent, how they handle the next season. Like it, it, it wouldn't at all surprise me if someone like Sinatra or Jonak. Or maybe even someone like Rascal, or you know, one of these established elite tier players just drops off a cliff because they cannot handle the new yeah. environment. I think it's that, that's a, just a like Buroy. You also remember uh, League of Legends in that regard, like Moscow Five type of deals. Of course, they had an asymmetric. So, just to briefly explain, there was this world-beating Russian team. Um, and it was back when the uh, when League of Legends was still a tournament circuit. Mm. So they would go to the IEMs and then over to China. And then I think was MLG still around? Might have been, yeah. And um, yeah. they were like a very good team. They went to Worlds and like lost to the eventual winners very close. I think was it the semifinals or something? And then like the yeah. next season, the uh, LCS happens. Or like the, the the league start up and they just completely drop it. Admittedly, they had to like have flights from Russia and back, from Russia and back, mm -hmm. while other teams were more stationary, but still it completely wrecked it, this team. They went from elite to legitimately bad within a year. And I think that is very possible to happen once again because the discrepancy between a lot of travel and Washington Justice is a similar divide um, mm -hmm. as it was between Moscow 5 and the other teams at the time. So, um, yeah, generally it's, it is it is once again gambling a little bit. And then with the added, I guess, randomness of bringing a new player in that admittedly has already played uh, offline events um, before, but also maybe not the size of the stage. Um, I will say though, just in fairness, I, I think that like in terms of uh, main tank talent, I think it's, it is pretty thin in, mm. in terms of the Overwatch League, but there are names that pop in my head, like Effect for Fiction or Numlocked that uh, you guys could have picked up um, instead just for that veteran status and I think generally a lot of the league seems to agree with, with the approach of just bringing in newer, t younger talent and building long-term uh, or trying to structure their um, their roster building strategy a lot of on young talent and you guys are even one of the teams that counted more on veteran talent. Yes, We're actually, I think you only have only Beast is uh, a contenders player, right? Everyone else comes from yes. another, uh, another Overwatch League team. Is yeah. that correct? Or at least has a if, year of if, Overwatch. If you're not counting two League. ways, then yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or like Roki and I guess Mangachu didn't, but... He didn't yeah, play a ton, the, but... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
So, so yeah. you already count a little bit more than everyone else on uh, on veteran status, right? So it's yeah, only fair that you have some rookie aspects within your roster to have that factor. And and again, like we chose this roster for a reason. Every player was chosen for a reason. And uh, I think like last season, I was very worried, worried about pressure on stage uh, because everyone was really silent. The team itself, the atmosphere was very different from what it was now. But with this team, I'm actually not worried at all. We have, I talked about this earlier a little bit. Mm. Uh, we have like people like Reef who, who are like the most crazy guy you could meet on, uh, on any given day. But in, in the game, he's like focus up guys. He, he, he brings you like to the point where you are willing to perform. And if you're feeling down, then he brings you up. And then we have beast who drives competitiveness. Uh, we have like people like Nevix and Logics who don't seem like they would be uh, affected by pressure at all, right? Um, so I actually, I actually am not worried at all. Or like, there's very little worry that we have any types of problems uh, on mm. stage that people would perform badly under pressure. I remember the first the first game last season was like a big clusterfuck because like Yakpum was like super, super up and down and Ivy was like completely uh, up and down. They were like so nervous because it's their first game on stage and we barely beat Houston like three to two. Uh, and even later on in the later on in the league, it was like Ivy was like still super nervous. But with this team, with the atmosphere we have, um, it just looks good right now. <laughs> good. Yeah. Okay. So we we gotta come to the to we, we gotta put a, a little bit of an a PSA reality check out there. Because it's like, okay, we had it, last season, I heard before the season that Nevix was legitimately doing very well in scrims and that there was a chance that he would be studying ahead of Choi. Now of course we learned over the season that Choi was a nuts off tank, extremely versatile, absolutely elite MVP uh, performances um, over the season. And then it was speculated that if you have the best in the game, your second player could be the second best, he was, would still not play. So with that rumor coming in, now, this was like a cycle jerk on Reddit that that opinion was then picked up. Like everyone was like, oh yeah, Nevix is like amazing. And then at some point, of course, the counter cycle jerk comes in and now everyone's like, oh yeah, dude, Nevix, Nevix uh, off tank like cures cancer. <laughs> I'm so funny in the comments. And I think now we're arriving where it was first overrating. Now we're like heavily underrating. I think we can come to the middle, right? Like, do you oh, have any any opinions on Nevix in terms of like just how, how he compares to um, other off tanks in the league and generally like as a person uh, in your team? Well, I, I wouldn't say he's the best player in the world. Uh, that's mm -hmm. probably overweighting. Um, I, I haven't been reading a lot of Reddit to be fair recently, so I can't really mm -hmm. comment on whatever has been said. Uh, I'm always shutting myself like away from all those kind of social media things. But um, Nevix 
uh, Navix has been a good asset to the team. Like he's probably the one who comes to the coach, who goes to the coaches by himself the most, and he's like, "What could I do better here? Or should I play this character instead of this? Should I play?" Uh, yeah, should I should I save my defense matrix on Diva for this situation and stuff? Or um, he would go to another player and be like, uh, "What do you think? How do we combine our abilities here and in this situation and stuff?" So he's, I think he's probably thinking about the game the most because uh, he he really wants to he really wants to prove himself. I think, mm. uh, and he's someone who. If you if you tell him he made a mistake, he would never take it personally. Like it's something that is so critically important. If you tell him you make a mistake, he would not t take it personally at all. And if he if he tells another player that they made a mistake, then he would say it in a way that they wouldn't take it personally because they know who Nevix is, and he would never like he would never flame anyone. If he's like someone, you wouldn't expect this guy to ever flame anyone or be outraged or be mad or anything well um, i'll have you know in season one uh, when overwatch came out he was on road talk and i was on zenyada playing okay. with on genji at like 75 uh sr and he did in fact flame me <laughs> <laughs> and i deserved it for okay, okay. fingering trance <laughs> <laughs> well uh i i guess i can see that but Yeah, I, I've never, I've never actually, <laughs> I've never actually seen him flame anyone on the team. Um, he plays a lot of ranked. He's grinding a lot, uh, actually. Mm. Um, maybe the most in the team after Loki. Loki, Loki grinds like mad. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he, he has he has something that every that you want of every player, right? They want, he's self-critical you can criticize him and he won't ever take it personally because and maybe that's uh, because of how well we structured things as well because I think no player takes criticism personally and that's something that is very much because of how you structure things in a coach to play relationship uh, and in a team environment um, so But yeah, he he as a person has something that uh, you want like every competitive person to have. And I think we did like when we did our bootcamp, we asked like every player what they expect and what they expect from the coaching staff and what they expect from the season maybe and from the team. And I think uh, I think if I remember correctly, he said that uh, he really wants to make playoffs. So uh, he really he really is someone who also wants to perform well um, and that is probably part of why he is so self-criticizing a lot is self-criticizing himself a lot uh, yeah hmm. i think everybody knows nevix or at least people who have been around for a while know nevix to be very flexible is that something you guys might be uh utilizing this season at all or is he you know strictly flex tank or well, well the problem we have is that we are in the 222 lock now um surely everyone remembers him for being able to play like all the different roles and stuff mm -hmm. uh i remember him on r a lot i think mm -hmm. uh, early on 
and uh, we have the two to two lock now, so he will be in the main tank, uh, in the flex tank position, or in the tank position. Rather, something that comes with tanks right now is that sometimes, sometimes uh, the flex tank would play a reserve because the main tank plays something mm -hmm. else. Uh, so while normally the main tank plays the reserve the most, so um, I guess it's good that he can flex a lot, but it's not to the same degree as it was in the past because of sure. the digital lock, obviously. Yeah. Um, okay, speaking of which, they, like, in terms of coaching, you've made some interesting decisions. You, like, brought in the French Mafia, if you want. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lil Bo, of course, and then Fefe. Um, Lil Bo, that's his first coaching gig. Um, it, of course, not technically, because like people help out in non-official positions, just do the work. Doesn't necessarily mean that we're never doing that in that regard, and that they don't have experience. It's just like they never had the title officially. Um, we we always hear that coaching staffs ha or at least let's say for the Valiant, we ha have like a separation of different fields. So this guy does personal coaching or like micro, this guy does macro strategy, this guy uh, does like structure, like uh, performance coaching almost. How have you separated your, um, your work in that regard? And what, do, what does, for instance, someone like Lil Bo bring to the table in that way? So yeah, we, we do have our French Revolution here in the Canadian team. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, which is actually in, in Canada. I don't know if you know that, but I didn't know that before I came here. Everything is in French as well as English. So like literally every product you can buy and every road sign is in French as well. Uh, it's just a small fun fact. But yeah, uh, <laughs> we I said it earlier, we have a highly structured environment and that means that um, everyone in the coaching staff has like their own kind of role. It's like, what do you call those graphs that are like overlapping? <laughs> Venn diagram? Yeah, those Venn diagrams, exactly. It's like a Venn diagram, like everyone has their own field. And then there's something that uh, maybe two people do, or maybe um, the whole coaching stuff does together. Like everyone does like individual feedback, for example. Um, Sefe is mainly responsible for motivation, keeping motivation up. Lilbo is doing a lot of strategy uh, with me together sometimes. Uh, so we all have like we all have like our own fields, but we also have overlapping fields. And I think the way we are working together right now is actually really um, how do you, how do you say that efficient. Yeah, it's really efficient. That's a good word mm. for it. Yeah, um, because I think we are a good team. Uh, the boot camp was a boot camp for the coaching staff as well because it was the first time we worked together. Sure. Um, but yeah, the way we work together now that we have all the structure and we know what we are supposed to do and where we can help and where we may be want to not put our fingers in um, works really well. Uh, so I think in that sense, the French Revolution helped a lot. Uh, I think it's, again, a lot thanks to Fefe because he's setting up the structure. He's the head coach, right? Mm. Um, so, 
yeah, the way we perform as a coaching staff team is uh, there's nothing to complain about as well, actually. Do you still work a lot with stats at all? Sure, yeah. It's part of it. Uh, it's not as much as I wish I was able to do because <laughs> stats are not as important as I wish they were, uh, mm -hmm. obviously. But there, um, I do work a lot with them. I always keep track of them and they are helping me making decisions sometimes. They're helping the coaching staff make decisions sometimes. Mm. Uh, they help in confirming or disconfirming um, decisions and what we would like to do or what seems totally out of place. They help us keep, they help keep our feet on the ground because in the end, if you lose a map, it will show up as a loss. Mm. Uh, you can't say you've won it because you did lose it, um, stuff like that. So if, if at the end of the week, uh, let's say you won like 30% of your map, of your maps, you can't say, Oh, I think we won like every other map. Uh, it, it's, it, it's like hard facts. So it helps sometimes. Um, so that's definitely my field of expertise where no one else is doing anything because I'm the only one who does it. Uh, yeah, I think that answers your question. Mm. So talking about stats a little bit, and I think this is a, um, very interesting for a lot of viewers um, who like to see diversity in their meta. Mm. Um, sure. Without, of course, talking about your playbook, but more and not necessarily about that of the opponents you've scrimmed against as well. Are there like general metas? Is there just like currently in scrims, is there like one meta comp or do we have more diversity? Uh, right now, I think there are two big archetypes. Uh, yeah, there, there are two big archetypes that everyone is running. There's diversity in those as well, but the two big archetypes, you can just probably, or we call them, poke and rush, where the rush comp is mainly, normally it's like Reaper May, Orisa, Wine, Lucio, and uh, like Moira or Baptiste or something. Mm. Um, and poke comp is, again, May, with Hansa this time, and then maybe you have a different flex support. Uh, you still have Orisa because Orisa just seems really good right now. Uh, and you don't have a Lucio, but those are the big archetypes. So it doesn't seem like a big difference from the heroes that are in them, but the way you play those two comms is very different because uh, because of the wing conditions they create. But with one, you really want to be close up, and with the other one, you want to kite and like put as much distance between you and the others as possible, have like great positions. Um, so in that sense, we kind of are out of GOATs because GOATs has been replaced by two things now. Mm -hmm. uh, we have, we still have like GOATs, which we call Wash now, mm -hmm. and we have a Pokemp that is on that is map dependent better than better than the goats comp um because just of how the map layout, layout works it's sometimes too hard and with the lucius speed boost being nerfed and stuff it's too hard to get close so the pokons actually actually went out over the rush comms their team's trying like hybrid comms i bet there's chengdu doing all kinds of stuff but i don't know because we don't skim asian teams uh 
there's I think there's still a lot of experimenting actually. Yes. Mm. Uh, there's teams playing Junkrat and Widow and uh, I bet there's there's room for double sniper on like some maps. Yes. So it is diverse. It is more diverse I think than in the past. Uh, but you still have like two big archetypes of concept people are sticking to right now. Now, is that general across like a number of maps? Obviously, I'm sure like some archetypes are better on some maps, but are you seeing teams run an archetype that you kind of value is less than on maps that, you know, wouldn't suit it? Uh, yeah, is it, is so, it really two general schools of thought? So it, it is very team dependent as well, because it depends on team ph ph philosophy and uh, what you think your team is good at. For example, Shock has always been known for being really good at rushing, so I think they are sticking to it. I know that NYXL last season has been been or very good at playing defenses. slowly. Mm. Yeah, passive, if you will. Um, and so you would think that they are probably more of like a team that would prefer Polcoms. We have our own preferences, which I won't talk about. <laughs> uh, but uh, but so NYXL... Yeah, that's right, how yeah. they're gonna play. I get it. <laughs> Here's their their playbook. I'm, be I'm able just to saying read all I've... of those in the Scrimbox stock exchange. <laughs> probably coming next week. I, I I obviously don't know if they are still doing it. Um, sure, sure. But just from past experience, I think that NYXL has always been a team that's been playing slower. Uh, totally. San Francisco always has been a team that's been playing faster. And mm. if they stick to that, then you can kind of imagine what their comes with look like or the preferences would look like um and the same sense you can look at every other team and be like oh maybe this player is an insane widow so maybe this team will play more widow maker mm. um so i think it's it's not like every team has to do those two archetypes it's more it's more up to teams right now uh, okay. it's more flexible and dependent on what players you actually have and what you think they're good at um, which is which is a nice thing to do because you add diversity and it's probably more exciting for viewers uh, and also more exciting to analyze because you have to analyze your opponents and like predict what's going to happen and stuff um, which it's always been like a fun, fun thing about uh, video games because there are different ways to play it it's, it's not just it's not like football where you always have to, uh, 11 people and always a ball and uh, you can change like what each person is supposed to do, but and I'm talking about soccer, the actual football, by the way. Uh, Whoa. Whoa, but, sir. but in Overwatch, you have different characters, so it 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 is fun right now just looking at different teams and what they want to do. Mm. So to speak on maybe something a little off off the walls a little outside of those two schools of thought um we are seeing not only in china you know i'm going to preface that first um we are seeing it oh, you know we, we, we saw a little bit of it in you know the winter classic china. with uh, the mayhems tournament um you know is there do you think there's room for for a divish composition maybe not necessarily winston and diva but you know maybe wrecking ball and other compositions are you seeing that what are what are your thoughts on that so I think it's very map dependent. I think it's probably not something you want to do all the time because just how because of just how strong um, those Russian Pokemons are. And if you think about it, 
the rush comp in particular seems like a natural counter to the dive comp because totally who wants to dive into a Reinhardt, Risa, Reaper, <laughs> and May, who all will survive whatever you do, especially if there's a Moira as well, and then the only target is like Ferusio. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I, I think that dive is not strong enough to to dive into stuff like that, but I can see, again, there's like different experiments and different comps being played. It's not just those two archetypes. And I can sure. see Dave having a place. Uh, I can see them, I can see Dave being good at times, but I think it's very team dependent and I think mm -hmm. it's very map dependent as well. So only if like the team is supposed to be really good at dive and then the map also allows dive, then I can see dive happening, but uh, it's not something that I would see happening a lot and i didn't see those tournaments i don't know how much they played those compositions but just because of how strong the rush comp is naturally going to be against dive i don't see it being like the third archetype so to say mm, that's fair that's fair yeah but one of the big reasons why i bring that up is because shanghai had just signed um fearless and he's coming from a team that is like easily the best team um going into contenders in china and they're playing a good amount like i'd say 35 sure. percent of the time they're playing like winston diva they play it all well, like involved for whatever reason but you're we're also not seeing a ton of the you know the rush comp as as we'll call it we're seeing a lot well, more or poke i i can i can see it if you have like a really good samba uh, because samba is always good sure. so maybe maybe if you have like a really good samba and people are preferring to play poke then rush could be really good but mm. i don't know i haven't been following china but i can i guess yeah maybe maybe it does really well at times so it's kind of like a, a not a natural counter but you you'd much more favor that into poke than than rush i think i think rush is like a natural counter yeah okay. because uh that i don't think like guys is a natural counter to poke i wouldn't uh -huh. say that either but so it's not like a it's not like it's a not like a triangle thing. It's not rock paper right. yeah 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 uh, but uh, yeah I, I guess i could see it i didn't watch china so that's fair know. that's fair who does yeah. by the way yeah who not, does? not very many people that's why we have chung at 16th right guys hey, anybody maybe. in the chat anybody chat 16th <laughs> Listen, <laughs> listen, you don't have to watch 16, China baby. to know that Chengdu at 16 is way too low. See, but, maybe maybe Chengdu is like diving all the time. Maybe it's really good because that's yeah. a, that's the fun about Chengdu and China. It's like they're doing all the crazy shit and maybe they figured out that diving yeah. with like Doom, Sombra and Diva Wrecking Ball or something is like the best thing you can do. I have no idea. Uh, but we'll find out. We'll see. Yeah. It's uh, it's not just because teams like to look at like San Francisco Shock and Vancouver Titans and be like, oh, they're playing this. We should play this too because they mm. beat us. That's not something you can do because right now at least because uh, it's more flexible and it's more up to your players. So if you are if you are the Atlanta Rain, you might not want to do what San Francisco is doing all the time Good. because your players are different and your play style is yep. different in turn. Mm. Um, so I guess maybe maybe Chengdu figures something out, right? <laughs> that's 
Maybe. That's another like okay. We we frequently ask or talk about the possibility of having two different metas in the different regions because of tra travel uh, uh, restrictions. But I also think that there's this distinct possibility that both, mostly Chengdu, but also to a lesser degree, uh, Shanghai, mm -hmm. just taught teams that playing like perpendicular to the meta and not straight on can have massive advantages. And I, I, I hope that also, especially teams that cannot expect to reliably outperform even mid-tier teams on the established meta comp take that lesson and just like reinvent the uh, the uh, a new way to play for themselves looking at the roster that they had mm -hmm. i think almost every roster like even valiant they did play meta comps for the most for the most part admittedly they were one they, they um adapted to sombra also fairly quickly but um one of the, the important parts for their season was let's look at what we have, what our system can support, and then we customize towards that. Now, they did it in roster building, right? They looked at their coaching staff. They looked at the players. What is the path of, le path of least resistance? Okay, we do, do that. For me, it almost felt like the path of least resistance was like mentally blocked for a lot of these lower tier teams. Less. Mm -hmm last year where it's like goats 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 right like it maybe you have like an 0.3 chance uh, percent chance that you can like hilariously through some ways like find something out about goats or like everyone improves massively and suddenly you're on par with um like maybe not shock but the tier below that very unlikely. It's much more likely that you start beating like the mid-tier teams by just playing some wacky stuff. And I wonder if Chengdu and Shanghai taught that to those teams this season, despite uh, uh, on top of the segregation of uh, regions or divisions rather, um, contributing to meta diversity. Because yeah, I theoretically, you would think, okay. There's a lot of volatility in the system. Let's already around this meta flag. I think because of how season two went, uh, this now just from a psychological point of view uh, became less likely. I am very much looking forward to how it all works out with uh, us not being able to scrim Asia, mm -hmm. for example. Because um, I remember at the start of last season, I. I don't know if I said it on the podcast or whatever, but I think I said something like, I expect teams like Houston, maybe I said, to run like a lot of quad DPS because it plays into their play style and their players would be good at it, uh, which they didn't do. And then they performed badly, uh, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's still something I'm... I'm convinced of that. It, you should play to your strength, and uh, I was glad that Chengdu did that last season mm. because I'm I'm very much in that church, <laughs> if you want to say that, uh, mm. of believing that you should not stick to what everyone is doing, but you should look for what you are supposed to do yep. and where you can shine. Um, and I think teams didn't do that last season. Uh, 
maybe she's not some of them. Um, I think teams in general have had a, a weird apathy towards that whole idea. I think Overwatch, weirdly enough, is very, and I, I think most esports have this, but I think it's more prominent here. Is is this weird like gentleman's handshake that like, oh, this is what is good. We'll only play this. We'll only practice against this. Which again, like that, that's a, that's a whole nother train of thought that people are just removing from is. You don't want a. You don't want to practice because you've you've basically handshook with the entire league that we're only going to play goats and that's what we want to practice against because that's majority of the field. Then you have Chengdu playing their own weird kind of recipe, which I like to use as a metaphor because your team is like a cookbook, right? Instead of trying to make a stew with the ingredients to make cake, just make a stew, right? Like just make what you have. Just cake use stew. the ingredients to the best of their yeah. to the best of their ability. To be to be fair though, I think it's it's very human to do that because if you look like something like basketball, it's like everyone played the same way, and then like twenty years ago, sure. they figured out, hey, wait, this is bad. Maybe we should play uh, for more three pointers uh, mm. than it was. So I think it's very human if you're like in, let's say, in like your own bubble that everyone yeah. conforms to. The, doing the same thing and that's what's so exciting about this season because east coast is not going to scrim a lot of china a lot of mm. korea so they are in their region we are in our region we don't know what's happening there and they don't know what's happening here that means we conform to our thing and they conform maybe to something completely different and maybe they are both equal or maybe one of them is actually so much better uh, than the other so i i hope there's a lot of diversity coming from uh, the asian teams uh but we will only figure out once the season actually starts i mean to, to your point there like can we could we could briefly look at some of the styles last year like a lot of teams did obviously have styles of play, but like the ones that really stuck out the most, like you talked about shock being, you know, very aggressive. We talk about Titans being very aggressive. We talk about NYXL being, you know, a little bit more defensive. I like the idea, the idea of like the whole recipe metaphor is, is to kind of play into that. Right. We, we want to have a style. You want to have yes, your yeah. identity and it needs to be strong. It doesn't need to be like a weird pick. It doesn't need to be a weird composition. It just needs to be the way you want to play the game. And if you're always chasing the best team, you're never going to be obviously the best. And, and it's not about just innovating because that's that's you know much easier said than it'll just go ahead and innovate forehead. You know, it's that that's very hard for humans to do, but it, it's about figuring out what your team does best and it might not be the most optimal thing but that's going to yield you i guess the most results is yes, the better results. I, I remember last season we played like some weird torbjorn stuff on world sky when once we had mangachu and we were winning with it like all the right. time because no one knew how to play against it and that's one of the advantages because uh, if you play something weird then Mm-hmm. no one will practice against it and it's like i think on match day it's like what are we going to do against this i think two big like examples of that kind of in action are houston into seoul in season one i think a lot of the seoul players a lot of the korean players in general came out and were like i don't know how we've never even practiced against Junkrat. like what is this like and then to talk about chengdu and like they just didn't get practice they were they were off in their own weird but <laughs> like nobody wanted to practice with them so they were it, it, it's 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 such a, a missed opportunity i think teams are, are missing out on but enough on my soapbox it, it's also <laughs> like 
Like if if we think of it, I I, I think even theor- from a theoretical point of view, never was it less in or more in inopportune to do non metas shit. Okay, mm. let me let me un- like oh my god, I put seven negatives in one sentence. What is <laughs> happening to this brain right now? So, goats made it so experimenting was very hard to do because goats was so strong inherently usually metacoms aren't that ridiculous in comparison Mm. to the other archetypes that have been found yeah um so if that already worked last season to an extent for some teams and yes there will always be caveats to that like of course teams there's always teams saying okay like let us scrim against shanghai like two weeks more and we figure that out with and still play, keep playing goats fine you didn't do it in the in the stage finals that's what matters mm-hmm. so um in that regard i think the matters that we have now and of course we have three uh, weeks to go and i might be eating my words at, at the end of the three weeks and we find something as as, as strong but as it's, it presents itself to us right now it is far less rigid inherently there's not like a meta core comp that seems to be so ridiculous as or so so impenetrable or invulnerable as goats is even though to to a degree we still see these characteristics in that rush comp as well but it seems much more exploitable especially Mm. um once the maps come into play now currently we're in a luxury period where every team has a lot of time to figure stuff out i'm not as concerned about the first couple of um weeks and then maybe once a meta pitch a patch hits i wonder if then variety would slow down because people just don't have enough time to uh, to figure it out but then again we got to remind ourselves that there are teams that just randomly have four weeks off Yep. And they can go into their laboratory and they can re- literally reinvent how metacoms will uh, happen just through that. Usually, like in, in seasons past, contenders did that for us, mm-hmm. where they had a rough idea. Now it could be like better coaching staffs coming in, more organized practice um, with like just like a lot of time in those cases. I'm sure they will have a week off or maybe if you have a four week break, probably one week off. And then they just like sit down and say, okay, this worked, this didn't. Maybe we get some academy team and we just (coughs) grind it out until we have something that just beats the current um, meta archetype. And then we just come out rolling and it works somehow. And we have these, I think four teams have four week breaks or three, if I'm remembering correctly. Eric um, may uh, correct me in chat in a bit, but, and then there is a bunch of teams that have three week breaks. A lot of them actually. Just very few only have two week breaks. Mm. So individual teams will have time to rally at different parts in the season. And then of course we, we have meta changes and we have map changes. It just feels to me <coughs> that unless the, the desire to feel security in the meta comp is too, too strong, if that's the case, okay. But everything else screams to me, we ha- will have a diverse season. Yep. I would agree. <laughs> I think we've been banging that drum for, for quite a while in the postseason. It's, it's going to be more diverse. We're diverse get more. season. We get two. Yep. 
two metas. Nice. <laughs> Maybe in the middle this time? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, going into stage four? Right. <laughs> no, mate. Yeah. We're going to 231 or whatever. The, Ugh, the new combo yeah. that was happening. We're not going to talk about 231 right now. We might talk about it a little bit on Tuesday because that was a big conversation this last week. But mm -hmm. Just um, fire one of your tanks. Yeah, right. <laughs> which tank would you fire? No, I'm just kidding. Joking. Don't answer that question. Um, yeah. Are we going to move to our German word of the day? Yes, let's do the German word of the day and then get out of here. Sure. So, our German word of the day is actually a pretty good word, I think. Um, it's, it's called Weltenbummler. And I've, I've gotten to know you, Baroy, as a bit of a Weltenbummler. And what it means is someone that um, loves exploring the planet in a, in a sense, just like travels a lot and also is just like an open person that interacts with the people there and enjoys their company. And um, yeah, it's, it's like a, a literal translation would just like, <coughs> how would you tr translate Bumla? That's a good one. World. <laughs> Like yeah, that's that's hard. Uh, just like Bummel is like when someone takes its his sweet time while walking somewhere, like and then maybe purchase so like this explanation. Nice. Yeah, like shopping maybe, like really relaxed shopping, Which is but not really buying something. <laughs> yeah, like, like if you know me, if you know me, yeah. when, when it comes to like. Uh, traveling or something or even even going on a trip i'm like i'm like the last person to get ready i'm like i'm like packing my stuff like one hour before the flight flies or something I, like on the in the airport it's always like everyone's getting in line you know waiting for the airplane and there's like hundreds of people standing in line and i'm sitting there reading my book until they say it's the last call that is much please board the airplane <laughs> It's, uh, I actually do that. I normally wait until they say my name. <laughs> uh, so you so feel important. Maybe. If your seat's a sign, why not? Yeah. Besides the other like, 200 people pissed at you, why not? Roy's also the type of guy that just like w one day decides, oh yeah, I'm going to learn Japanese and then just yeah. flies to Japan while knowing that he will work in esports and he might as well just like travel like 500 miles uh northwest and learn some korean nope he's going to japan like directly before joining overwatch league just just like hardcore oh learns J japanese instead yeah hey, that that was a great time yeah for anyone who doesn't know i was in japan for like a while in 2018 uh what's that again it was for three months only, mm. only for three months. Mm. But it was it was amazing, like getting to know people there and stuff. Uh, so I guess I guess that's what that Welton Welton means, right? Uh, just like enjoying to go to places. And I normally I really enjoy being at places for like a long period of time because I like learning the language and then getting to know people. That's why when I went to Canada. Uh, on the first day, uh, what I did is I didn't go to like the Toronto Tower or anything. I broke my foot 
so I could go to the hospital to get to know the Canadian people, how they are in their everyday. So it's your strategy uh, all along. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, to get back to the work, what, what, what about it? Um, are you looking for, like, your travel schedule is pretty ridiculous in that regard. Like, you have the most border or second most border crossings, of course, also because your Canadian team, just like Vancouver and traveling to the US strictly means you're crossing a border, but you also like travel to Europe back and then to China as well. Are you actually looking forward to that? Like just like being in these different countries yourself? Yes, <laughs> I do. Uh, and someone said, like uh, Asuka said, that the world Bruna, the proper translation is world trotter. Yeah, it's actually mm -hmm. a great translation. So, but yeah, I'm actually looking forward to that. I'm mostly looking forward to China where everyone is saying bad things about China, but um, I we will stay in China for like three weeks, so that's like really nice. Uh, I would love to learn Chinese, actually. It's like one of my life goals, maybe. Um, Same. Because, because <laughs> it's just such a huge like amount of people that you can lose you can reach by speaking yes. that language true uh and i always like speaking to people in their natural tongue it's just it's it's just so much more personal than mm -hmm. being there with your phone and be like hello my name is dennis and then the phone is like <laughs> and you like don't know what it says so yeah. uh that's yeah. why i already learned like one uh, one chinese language which is the sentence which is uh which means I love panda, um, <laughs> which is the main thing. <laughs> of course, it when does. I when I am in Guangzhou, I will I will land at the airport and I will be like Wu Shi Huang Mao, and then I I hope that someone just directs me to the zoo, like someone takes me <laughs> by the hand or something, and then we go to the zoo and look at the pandas or something. But Bro, uh, yeah. when you say this. <laughs> And someone takes you by the hand. The chances of them bringing you to the zoo and not to a psych ward are very low. <laughs> if we're being honest. Uh, <laughs> uh, actually, so uh, when we went to Korea for the boot camp, I, I had like a little side trip where my flight was going to Changdu. And I was on the fucking panda airplane. So my, so, so my airplane, like, I have pictures of it on Twitter. Like all the seats had like a panda cover, like on the seat and stuff. And all the cups were pandas and the, and the, uh, stewardesses and stewards, they were wearing panda aprons and the pen, uh, the, the plane actually had like a panda printed on it and stuff. And I had, obviously I had this panda with me. I had my panda plushie with me. I had like a panda keychain with me. And then there was this Chinese stewardess, who was looking at me because I was the last one to get out of the airplane because I'm, I'm that kind of person, right? <laughs> um, so, so I was the last person to get out of the airplane. I was still reading my book when everyone already left. Uh, and I was like, okay, it's time to go. <laughs> and so I took my panda plushie, put it back into my, into my backpack, and she was looking at me, and I was looking at her, and I was just saying, and then she started speaking Chinese to me. Uh, and actually, I understood some of it. Um, oh, I understood it some of it. I don't know. We, I don't remember what she said, but I understood some of it because it was similar to Japanese uh, a little bit. So I actually, I actually knew what she meant. Huh. Um, I think 
yeah, I think she asked me if I'm going to Hangzhou or Changdu, which is kind of easy to understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said, I'm going to Changdu, obviously. And then I said, I, I showed her the panda again. Uh, <laughs> um, but that is, that is the type of experience that I like about like traveling, just get, just talking to like people actually from the country and in their language. And so I'm actually looking forward to the China trip. And while most of the time when we go on, on match, on match trips, we won't have too much time to explore the region uh, or the city or whatever it is. Um, I think there will be some time for it. And I'm, I will use the off time that I have. And I won't much, but I will use the time that I have to the best extent that I can to explore the countries and the cities that I'm visiting, especially China, because we are there for three weeks, and uh, for at least three weeks, and if I remember correctly. Uh, and that's going to be probably the most exciting time about um, Overwatch Week, aside from the actual matches. Very Love nice. It. Very nice. Love it. But on that note, like all good things, it must come to an end. Uh, Roy, dude, thanks for hanging out with us again. Good luck to you sure. in season three. It was it was great just to, you know, there's if, if people haven't picked up on it, there's definitely a familiarity on this podcast right now because mm. we've all spent countless hours together in Discord before mm. before Overwatch League even was a thing yet. It was just, you know, uh, about half a dozen people who, you know, were chatting every day. Winston's labbing every day and, and building new tools, writing articles, reviewing yeah. VODs. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's it's just really cool to, you know, kind of see how far everybody's come and in and, and, and their own journeys. We love having you on the show. And of course, uh, anytime you can make it. time for us, I mean, we'll just, you're honorary fourth host always. So mm. Uh, very much so. always welcome back on uh for sure before we do go though i let's let's get down to two nitty-gritty things i want you to put your money with your mouth where your mouth is and uh actually no i'm not gonna make you do that i'm not gonna make you do that mm. i'm oh. not gonna make you do that what? uh what he's, he's gonna know <laughs> i was i was gonna make you tell me where the defiants are gonna finish uh but oh, let's boy. let's let's do this Yiska, I believe, mm-hmm. put the defiance. You put them at twelve or thirteen. Thirteen sounds 13. right. Over or under thirteen. End season ranking. What do you end think? of the season, Baroy? End of the season. So that's something that is. I <laughs> I experienced it last season. Uh, you have to put a lot of thought into it, into uh, predicting those end of season rankings, because there's more to it than in-game skill. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more to it than in-game skill. Mm-hmm. It's a lot about um, the organization, the environment, what kind of team you're building, the personalities, are they clashing, are they not clashing, uh, and in-game skill is a factor, of course. Um, so, 13... Uh, I didn't with, know that. With, with what I'm currently, with what I'm currently seeing, uh, and 
with what I've been seeing last season, not just from our team, but from all the teams, the insights that I have, I'm actually pretty certain that it's definitely going to be better than 13. Uh, yeah, there's not much so doubt in my hands. Things, yeah, things would have to go seriously wrong, I think, um, for us not to be able to to yeah. end stronger than 13. Um, and again, it's possible. You can't foresee everything. But uh, with what I'm currently seeing and with the comparisons that I can make to other teams and to last season, I am fairly certain that we will have a much stronger, oh, well, a stronger ending than 13. Uh, I think we will have a very strong first half. And then if we do that, I'm sure that our second half of the season can be uh, even better just because of uh, how this team works. So I'm, I'm definitely convinced that we will make planes at least for sure. Great. Okay, I get that. You, you, you just got convinced. Just put them top five. I gotta make, make up for some for, for some spots with for that Chengdu placement, please. Jeez, yeah, please do. Yusuke needs help. He makes dumb bets all the time on his show. Just Didn't help dumbest. that they actually got good players. Signs well, just the dumbest bets, man. I don't know what you're thinking. You're so smart. And then you do, and then you do that shit. He literally asked me as he was making him. He's like, "Where do I put Chengdu? I don't know. Sell me on Chengdu." And I'm like, "I." They're they're not going to be horrible. You saw what they did last season. I don't know, but it's like it's like okay. So you, I talk to you and I put him like eleven. We're not talking. And then, we're not talking. And then I just like kept shoving them down. <laughs> we're okay. not. We're just not. Falling, dude. What can I say? They just kept falling. We're not going to actually. Lie. I, I I don't know much about Chengdu's coaching staff and if it changed a lot because I I don't. I don't know shit about anything. Yeah. As you <laughs> noticed earlier at the episode. Um, noticed, yes. But but if it's if it's close to whatever was their last season, then I think they'll perform uh, fairly well, uh, especially with the segregation. Mm. Um maybe maybe they'll be one place below us if they are lucky. There you go. I mean, we can we can talk about it a little bit more um, in the post show, but you know that that's a whole another topic to kind of uh, break down and and dissolve into. So, sure, we'll save that story for another time. Yeah, yes, we will. Before we go, Baroy, one more thing. This is not nearly as hard of a question to answer, uh, but more. Sure. A lot of Toronto Defiant fans out there. I think a lot of people overall very optimistic about the Defiant. Um, you know, again, we talked about it last year. I don't think uh, was was quite what uh, everyone had hoped for from the Defiance. But this year, you got great names. I love the confidence and just like the there's this like level of like zen about the coaching staff and the players that you have this year of just like the pieces are just working. You know, it's one thing to be like, I can justify them because they're amazing on this hero or they, you know, do this. It's another thing to just be like, we start on time. We end on time. The players want to be here. The players are committed to the system. The staff is committed to the system. 
there's there's a level I think of calmness there, and so you know with that to those uh, Toronto Defiant fans out there, I know Fefe stopped into the chat. I don't think he's still there, but stopped by to say hello during the show. Messages to those Defiant fans out there who are looking at those sweet new staple kits and uh, definitely wanted to rep that team this year. So there's definitely a lot to see. Uh, I, I, I think they'll have a lot to look forward to in terms of the matches, first of all. I'm fairly certain that our homestands will be with some of the greatest because from what I saw, I think the Toronto viewing parties were like the second biggest after Guangzhou or something last season. Um, There's been a lot of commitment from the community in Toronto, and I think our homestands will be amazing. I think there's a lot of viewing parties going on that will be amazing. They won't be disappointed, I think, by what we show in the game. And there's a lot of players on our team that want to prove themselves, as I said before, uh, as you said, they are all committed to the system. And um, with the thing that is closest coming up is we did like a huge photo shoot for like a couple of days, a few days ago, or last week or something. Uh, I think our Twitter teased it a little bit, the Tone to Define Twitter. But we were like... Uh, we were like going through all those photo shoots. I think it will be hype as fuck. Like I, I remember I had to, I had to climb up like ladders with like one foot active <laughs> and I had to climb them down as well, which was a little bit scary, but yeah, you do what you do. <laughs> um, I, I'm good at climbing. That's how I broke my foot in the first place. So uh, wouldn't that mean you're we, not we good at climbing? <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> um, maybe not. Uh, we went to a couple of cool locations to make like hype photo shoots and hype video shoots that people will probably look forward to it's it's going to be looking really cool and uh, I think something that I can say right now is that our matches uh, will definitely be exciting and um having players there that people can recognize, having Canadian players there that people can identify with this time around um, is something that fans can look forward to. And we will make sure that um, the hype that will be delivered in the videos and in the photos will be as great as in the matches. It's part of um, the team. We know that social media is a big thing. We know that the fans are the biggest thing. So, uh, a commitment to that is definitely being made, not just in terms of photoshoot, but also how we play our games. Awesome. I well, love well, it. Said, well said. I love it. Well, Baroy, best of luck to you in 2020. Hope you get to see a lot of pandas, travel a ton, read a lot of good books. I hope so, too. Learn some new languages, whatever type of just crazy stuff that you're so good at. So... Uh, kudos to you, um, Joe, Yiska, my boys. I'll see you on Tuesday. Yes, yes. Before we get out of here, uh, before we get out of here, thank we you for having me, by the way. It was yes, a nice intro dude. again. So much, so much effort put into this. You even wear a panda suit. Like, it's the greatest fucking gift I can ask for. <laughs> I know you I said know. you had a surprise at the start of the show, but I, I didn't quite know what it was. But this is actually. Uh, better than i expected (laughs) panda suits and intros love it 
Um, yeah. So thanks everybody in chat for hanging out too. I know yes. NFL playoffs are today and stuff. And so kind of doing a show on a Sunday is kind of weird for us to begin with. And the fact that so many of you came, you guys are the best. If you like the show, mm-hmm. go to patreon.com slash tactical crouch or tech. Yep. Patreon.com slash tactical crouch. You can support there. We're $11 short of our extra episode a month goal. Uh, so you can head over there. Also go to bit B I T dot L Y slash T C P shop. And you can get some sweet tactical crouch merch. Looks good. Get that. Yiscat shirt. Do it. It's worth it. I actually will. I've got, I've just got to, for me, the hardest choice is what things do I want to Yiscat on? Mm-hmm. It's, it's the hardest part. So, the hardest part is what things do I not want to be a It's true. It's true. That's a better like, question. It's more like what parts can I look at Katie in the eye and say, yes, I spent $300 on Yiscat. <laughs> Yiscat <laughs> stuff. So uh, that's over at uh, bit.ly slash TCP shop. And other than that, we're going to be back Tuesdays, 11 a.m. Pacific time for rank 10 to rank 6. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> Yiska has Chengdu at 16. <laughs> yeah. So good luck with that one, bud. Other than but that, Joe has them in top 10, so. So do I. I mean, technically. I and, mean, and everybody else with a brain. Yeah, that's not many people, apparently. I don't know. I think didn't uh, didn't Plat Chat have them top 10? Mm, I'd have to look. Not sure. Thought they did. Maybe. Either way, pretty close to there. Anyways, they're within twelve. Sure. I would say for sure they're they're definitely playheads. That's not important. We're out of here, guys. Thanks so much for hanging out. We'll see you next time for uh, another episode. Episode seventy-two. Two days. Not going to be long. Bye. Bye bye. Do 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 do